everybody, welcome to episode 42 of So I've Been Told. My name is Adam Kramer, and this is my podcast. My guest on this episode is Nate Allen of Destroy Nate Allen and Good Saint Nathaniel. I have been aware of Nate for quite a while. Uh, We've never actually met in real life in person. But uh, we did meet over the internet and had this conversation. And I've been aware of Destroy Nate Allen for a while because I've got a lot of friends that are kind of in that uh, folk punk universe. And I, even though I have a lot of friends in it, it's not really my thing. It's cool, but it's, you know, I don't find myself listening to tons of folk punk. But uh, he, he had put out this Good St. Nathaniel record, and I really, really like it. Really resonated with it. And so. I decided to uh, reach out to Nate on the old Facebook and have him on the pod. So, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Uh, I'm going to kick things off with a good St. Nathaniel song called Old Guitar. And got some scars Pulls us close when we feel far I'm so happy with my old guitar It's fulfilled wishes and processed pain Been soaked in the water of the Portland rain Helps make sense when I feel mundane I'm so happy with my old guitar I'm so happy with my old guitar Full of memories and got some scars Pulls us close when we feel far I'm so happy with my old guitar been abused in anger and a tool for love Used as tissue and splattered in blood A product of the earth and a gift from above I'm so happy with my old guitar I'm so happy with my old guitar Full of memories and got some scars Pulls us close when we feel far I'm so happy with my old guitar It's got some glue and it's not brand new But the wood still smells like I wanted to Slept in a van on Highway 2 I'm so happy with my old guitar I'm so happy with my old guitar Full of memories and it's got some scars Been covered in fear in the late night bars Kept in the back of moldy cars Remind us of who we are I'm so happy with my old guitar I'm so happy with my old guitar Full of memories and got some scars It pulls us close when we feel far I'm so happy with my old guitar Can you hear me now? Yeah, there we go How's it going? Nice to nice to meet you. Uh, you totally. know, virtually. I like your Squad Five O shirt. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, you know, kind of a side note. People have told me that we look alike, um, which I I can kind of see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, similar <laughs> shaped faces and 
you know, the glasses. And... Re- are, are we recording now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, because I, I was actually thinking about that. Uh, I was like, I'm going to get sorry for that, but uh, <laughs> save it for the recording. Um, so, I agree. Like, we have we have a type. Like, yeah. Uh, I Years ago, I was um, on a bus in San Francisco, and I was standing next to somebody else I would say that I looked alike. It was a, there was the, the, the beard, the, the glasses, and I was standing next to this guy, or sitting next to this guy on a bus, and a teenager, like, stole his iPod and ran off the, the bus, and I chased oh. the kid, <laughs> like, my first response, and I quartered him in, like, in the corner of a bus stop, and he was just shocked that somebody chased him. Yeah, and then the other guy came up right next to me, like you know, half a second later, and grabbed back the iPod, and we got back on the bus, and uh, we just rode off. And then we stood next to each other for probably ten minutes, like without <laughs> saying a word. And finally, he's like, ah, "I I sit in the smoke shop all day. I don't ever, uh, I don't ever run. Uh, thank you." <laughs> nice. And uh, we, uh, and then he gave me a cigar from his shop. Uh, you know. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it, sure. Uh, nice. It was like the thanks for saving my life on. Um, <laughs> so, I, you mentioned being in San Francisco, and I know you've, yeah. you're you originally from Oregon, is that, is that right? Yes, I am. Okay. Oregon and you've you kind of moved around a little bit, is that is that also correct? Yeah, I started in Oregon, and then, like, artistically, first place I went to was San Francisco, okay. from there. And then from San Francisco... Uh, spent three years in San Francisco, seven years in Portland, and then we've been in Kansas City for seven okay. years. Cool. So, so that's kind of the like overview of the spots that I've been yeah. uh, actively creating. Okay, cool. So kind of going back to the beginning, you know, what was your introduction to, uh, well, the, I mean, music in general, you know, was that, were, was your family musical? And then specifically... You know, what was your introduction to, you know, sort of punk and underground culture and music? Totally. My my mom played a piano, so there was, like, the couple songs that she'd play around. I, I didn't really have an interest in it, and most of the music that I was actively experiencing would have been church music, <laughs> and I did not like that growing up. Um, it, was, it was definitely not an interest. Like, I remember my best friend was, like, super into choir and all those like you know music things <laughs> I was just like such a music stupid uh, I don't I don't want anything to do with it uh, that's like the farthest thing from my area of interest and and then all of a sudden in 94 my buddy put on a copy of Dookie uh, and it's just like I literally like my life changed i went from like the kid who had told his parents to sell their stereo like the week before because i didn't have any desire to like like music to super obsessive yeah and uh i caught the bug so it was just like uh like slightly musical home to like music being like you know really high on my passions list uh in a matter of like a day yeah Cool. Now, I know that, uh, you know, you've been kind of, I mean, obviously you're wearing a Squad 5.0 shirt. How did uh, kind of that early tooth and nail stuff, was that, you know, I'm assuming that was probably a big part of your your story as well, correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't have... Um, so the backstory is I was a, a church kid and a Christian school kid. Uh, in a, I would say pretty restrictive environments uh, as far as I wasn't uh, allowed to engage with much culture uh, outside of what my parents thought was okay, which mm-hmm. at some point they they decided that if music was Christian, I could listen to it. And they kind of gave me a, an open door with anything there. And uh, I remember my aunt actually... Uh, told my mom like just a few like probably right early on in my musical like exploration like he's gonna figure out that rock and roll is a thing you should take him to a christian bookstore and let him pick out some music because uh, he's gonna figure it out one way or the other and you know we got to give him the good like keep him safe yeah and so i went and got into i think there was a tourniquet and a bride that i bought um but that didn't really catch me. Uh, once I heard Green Day, it kind of just started going crazy in my head. Mm. And uh, so I was from the Northwest, and in the Northwest, if you're a youth group kid and you're alternative, there's only really one avenue. I mean, in mid '90s, and that would be Tooth and Nail. So it was just like uh, I remember MXPX was on the cover of Campus Life magazine. <laughs> And uh, it said for fans of Green Day, and I just like went home and I was like, "Mom, I want this," and uh, she bought me on the cover for that Christmas, and it just kind of like became a. I could walk, I could go anywhere within these confines. So like, it didn't care how heavy or weird the band was, as long as they were quote Christian, which is like infinitely complicated now. But then it was just <laughs> a like I could listen to some cool bands, and so that was that was really like probably the first. I don't know, five or six years of my musical like experience was pretty much just bands within that alternative like Christian scene. Yeah. I you know, kind of on my on my own I've been working my way through the full tooth and nail catalog. And, you know, honestly, you know, people can talk crap about you know, there's I mean and there's there's lots of bad Christian music, but you know, that the, the catalog has a lot of really great stuff in it. Yeah. No, I mean, I was, I was like, I mean, I, I definitely bought the, the first hundred releases box set when it came out and listened to that pretty religiously. So there was, there was like, I definitely gravitated towards the punk rock stuff and, uh, you know, now kind of some of the quieter singer songwriters, but like, it was a it was a really diverse, really rich. If you were going to pick a, a label, they they were doing about as good as anybody at like presenting a diverse um, set of options for people. I mean, I don't really. Yeah. I can look back and say, man, I missed out on some bands I could have really enjoyed in high school, but not necessarily musical styles that I totally missed out on. Yeah, um, for sure. I feel like they were they were generous in their presentation. Yeah. Uh, so what, you know, how did you start playing music and, you know, what was your, your first experiences there? First bands, first, uh, experiences playing shows? Yeah, I, um, I know exactly where I was when I wrote my first song. I was on a trip to visit a Bible college in Southern California. And there was a girl on the trip that I had a crush on and, uh, over the course of the trip, I realized that I, instead of a crush, I actually had a broken heart because I don't think it was going to, uh, my feelings would be reciprocated. <laughs> and 
I sat down to try to journal out my thoughts, feeling very, you know, sad and, and broken. And instead of words, a song popped out. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is totally not what I had known. Um, I was 15, so probably three or four years into my, like, punk rock phase. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was totally a song, and I wrote it, and then I just started writing like crazy. So, I mean, I've got in my basement, a, a, like, a big old crate of, like, I'm sure probably probably 500 songs or something that wow. I wrote right off the first couple of years. Um, yeah. I mean, I just kind of started obsessively writing lyrics, and even from that early point on, like, pretty much music just pops in my head, and it stays pretty well-formed throughout the process, so I just started writing like crazy, and um, I'm sure, you know, missing assignments and stuff like that in school, because I was writing, and that seemed more important, mm -hmm. uh, and... So that would have been halfway through high school. I didn't start a band or play in my first band until my junior year in high school. We were called Mindset. It was a rap metal band. <laughs> uh, perfect for 1998. Yeah. Uh, we were a mix of Project 86 and Zayo. Okay. Like, musically. We only had two songs, so it's pretty easy to say this song sounded like Project, this song sounded like Zayo. Um, yeah, I think we might have got a third song, but it's really those two. Um, that band was pretty wild because our first show there was it was a birthday, Christmas party I think like a hundred of our classmates came and I mean this is like a small Christian school these kids weren't super stifled yeah but they weren't ready for like our heavy music and so <laughs> they were uh, we were debating on which song to play first and we're like well the uh, the the Project eighty six sounding song is better so we should play the heavier song first. Uh, and so there was a hundred kids in the room when we started this Zayo-esque song and there was about 20 kids left when the song ended <laughs> it was just like we're done and I'm sure we were horrible but objectively we like to say it because we scared them all yeah and uh, they took off yeah uh, you know kind of a, a just a side question that's not necessarily music related but um how, about how many? Just out of curiosity, how many people did you did you graduate from the Christian school? Yeah, I did. And how many? Other class had had twenty five, I think, maybe twenty four. Okay, because I I graduated from a Christian school as well and had like, I think I was in a class of thirty. So I'm always I'm always curious about yeah. class sizes in those uh I mean, those environments. About the same. I mean, it's uh, my class size. I don't know how it probably would have been a little bigger when I was I switched schools after seventh grade um first through seventh grade was a very dysfunctional christian school um the next one was uh also dysfunctional but not quite to the same extreme mm. uh, so this is the 90s in the northwest so if you look at the cultural arc you have nirvana kind of setting the pace yeah and then sub pop tooth and nail and some, like k records kind of falling in like underneath that giant umbrella and so what's popular in the Northwest, being alternative, being a punk, being kind of like grungy. Yeah. And that's also rebellious if you're a Christian school admin. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is right before I enrolled at the second Christian school, they completely kicked out anybody that was alternative. Wow. So they kicked out all the kids that had dyed their hair, you know, were wearing holes in their jeans, kind of just like the 
had a giant cultural chunk of kids they tossed out wow. for, unless they were good at sports. Um, so I was good at sports, so I got to stay. <laughs> and, uh, and so they'd kind of give, like, you know, a lot of leniency to those kids. But it really, like, it set the pace where I ended up, be, instead of being probably one of many kids that liked alternative things. Yeah. I was kind of one of a few. And, and we were, like, the minority uh, versus we would have just been, a, I probably just would have been a normal kid that, you know, learned about Nirvana like the rest of the <laughs> cool kids. Yeah. Um, that I was, like, just kind of on my own. Yeah. What did you what did you play in that first band? Was that did you you know start out with guitar? I played bass and then one song and guitar and one song. Uh, both it's pretty laughable because I, I literally didn't know how to make a chord. Um, <laughs> so it's uh it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So what what came next after it, you said that was mindset? Mindset, yeah. I I learned actually even as as recent as this week that there's a there's a bunch of bands named Mindset. There's yeah. some popular bands named Mindset, and there's, um, I think it's all pre-internet, like or like common. So like yeah. there's there's a lot of bands that uh, have that <laughs> name. Uh, ours definitely was probably the least notable of all of them. <laughs> yeah, because there was definitely so, a like a straight edge band from like Baltimore that was like kind of a big hardcore band. Yeah, no, I mean, I they definitely are the ones that I think of the most. But yeah, there there's some discussions this week as part of the people were asking if I was in different versions of the band mindset from like ohio and like different spots and i was like oh no i didn't know about them but <laughs> no no we weren't we weren't the band that you know played with the school band we were the band that played two shows and broke up in our principal's office <laughs> how did you break up in the principal's office that sounds oh, like a good story it's, it's pretty pretty cruel um so i was in the band with tyler from insomniac folklore okay who's we were in our first like three bands together, so we're uh, our music adventures kind of start or parallel. But I had talked to Tyler the day before about like you know I'm not really feeling this band, mm-hmm. and because uh, they they wanted new songs and they would send Tyler and I as the writers out in the lobby to write songs. I was already so so over being in heavy bands that Tyler and I would just make up bad Squad 5 songs <laughs> and jump off the furniture and like basically start writing what would be our like early punk rock stuff. Yeah. But then we'd go back and they'd be like, oh, you guys have been out there for an hour. Do you have a new song? And we'd say, no, we couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> and so it was just like we were writing or being goofy and not writing heavy music. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, okay, we want to... We, this band is not our thing. He's like, I'm going to quit. I'm like, I, I, I am too. But the next day we had a meeting with the principal. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to book us to play a school assembly. <laughs> and since we'd already decided we were going to break up the band, but we hadn't had a chance to talk to our bandmates, we kind of had like insider knowledge in this meeting. Yeah. And so she starts asking questions, and I'm kind of the de facto band leader at that point. So she's like, so tell me about your band, Nate. I'm like, we're horrible. <laughs> Like, uh, can people understand your lyrics? Oh, no, they don't have a clue what we're talking about. Uh, you know, like, what is the, you know, what are, what do people think of you? I don't know, like, 75 people walked out of our first show, like, because they were scared. Like, just, like, giving the worst answers ever. Yeah. And uh, and the whole time, our, our poor singer is not aware of what's happening. So he's seeing his dream just get basically, like, shivved by me uh, <laughs> mid-meeting 
and finally she looks at Tyler and she's like, so Tyler, like, what, um, what is your future with this band? Like, where do you guys think you're going to go? And he's like, I quit. <laughs> and, uh, and I like being dramatic and in high school, like got down on my knees and asked him to stay in the band. Uh, <laughs> totally knowing that I quit as well. Yeah. And uh, so eventually it turns back to like her asking me what I'm going to do. And I'm like, Oh, I quit too. Uh, <laughs> and I felt like, so now I think about how much of a jerk I was to our singer. Cause it was just like completely setting him up to like, try to answer the question when she at, looked at him and said, what's your, what are you going to do with the band? And he's like, Oh, we're going to keep it together. And uh, you know, that, that ended up not happening. So yeah, that was like the glorious, we were like, it was a glorious end to a horrible band. So, <laughs> so what what came next after uh, after after that band? Um, I moved to Colorado, mm. in, uh, for a few for a few two chunks of a few months, and during that first set of months, um, I started playing guitar. And so now instead of like before, I just had like lyrics and lyrics and lyrics popping into my head. Now I had lyrics and guitar. I picked yeah. up a friend's guitar and wrote music to the song, and that like became my thing. So there's another big chunk of like, like tons and tons of learning how to play guitar to write songs. Yeah. Um, that was right. Uh, that would have been. I started writing in February 2001, mm. and. I, by August 2001, I was back in Oregon, and we had, Tyler and I had started a band called Miles Mouthguard, hmm. um, where I was the singer, and just the singer because I couldn't play an instrument. <laughs> and I came back with, oh, I've got all these songs, and I can play guitar now. And so we decided to, to try to make an album, and I'd only been playing for a few months, so like I was just like as green as can be. Uh, mm -hmm. And we sat, uh, we made the plan, we were going to go to our drummer's house, who was a 40-year-old clerk at Safeway. Um, we were 19, and that seemed like a world away, and now I'm much, I'm like almost 40, so it's like, that's wild. Uh, and we recorded on 9-11. Oh, wow. Uh, and so we all went to work, and, you know, had our worlds blown up, and, you know, this everything changed, and went to Ken's house, and... We were like, well, we already got, we had, we didn't know what to do. Yeah. We already had a plan, so let's just keep the plan. And we go to his house, and we're like, hey, have you heard the news? And he's like, what, what news? What are you talking about? So he turns on the TV, watches planes run into buildings. Yeah. Goes, oh, okay. Turns off the TV, and we make a record. <laughs> wow. Uh, what well, I mean? And I think now I'm thinking, man, he is 40. Like I know so much about the world. Like if somebody like, you know, retaliated against any group I figured there's some sort of reason uh, yeah at that point I had no idea so uh, we made the record we did the whole thing in a day I played in the room with Ken because I had no sense of rhythm yeah and uh, my guitars were strung 40 feet down a hall into another room and uh, it was called the Wasted Days EP named after a Crux song okay that, I just last week was listening to Crux that uh, uh, that band holds up pretty well they do. I actually just ordered a Crux shirt yesterday. Um, we we wanted to try to be charitable in some ways, so I yeah bought some shirts from different people, and nice. one of them was a Crux T-shirt. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's it's interesting because you know, 
I mean, I was in I was a freshman in high school when 9/11 happened, and yeah. you know, even here on the East Coast, I mean, there's there's this, you know, it didn't immediately impact my world, so yeah. it was kind of like, you know, just being a selfish kid, it didn't really like. I mean, obviously, I knew it was like a big event, and like, but you know, I would imagine even you know just just because of distance, being on the you know the opposite side of the country. Um, you know, you know, obviously it's, it's impactful, but it's not, you know, it's not quite, you know, it's a little different being on the opposite end of things. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it, it hit home pretty quickly because I, I just been traveling before. Mm. So I got to travel pre nine 11 and post nine 11. So that kind of like saw the differences in how, how security had changed. Yeah. I was also working at a gas station at the time. Mm. Uh, so I, I heard about the attack from my gas station manager who like ran out and was like, did you hear the news? And the most tricky thing about this station was they were committed to having the highest gas prices in town. So <laughs> they would literally drive around and say, oh, those guys raised their prices. We got to go raise ours. Wow. And so we raised our prices twice that day to make sure we were like competitively above everybody. Wow. Uh, and it was... That, that's the thing that I remember was just like the gas prices jumping. Yeah. There's going to be a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> now, was the, that Miles Mouthguard, did you release that? Is that somewhere online or is that just kind of a. Uh, maybe... Every 9 11, I post Happy Miles Mouthguard Day and I post a link to it somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for entertainment purposes. It's not bad. It, uh, yeah. It had some, some good moments. I think Tyler has actually covered a song or two over the years. Nice. Uh, releases it's cool it it was a, a start and i definitely like band people's first record records are definitely worse than that is sometimes <laughs> so it, we were kind of the christian school sex pistols i mean we kind of we're all kids from the school uh, minus our drummer and we didn't really know we were doing too much but we were making fun music yeah awesome cool it's, to... it's definitely like dead kennedy sex pistols dogwood kind of yeah, yeah. Your dogwood You've got a British accent. <laughs> Dogwood's also. I mean, every time you mention these bands, I just like have to talk about how great they are. Uh, yeah. Dogwood. They, I don't even. Did they even ever tour on the East Coast? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I mean, I wasn't tracking with tour routes back then. I know that yeah. I did get to see them in Colorado. Yeah. And that was actually a trip. Um, so I was with I was with an organization called Youth with the Mission when I okay. was back there. Yeah. Um, and so it's like it was like my my experience in Denver was like I was a this missionary kid, and also this punk rock kid. And so I'd kind of like try to get involved in rock and roll, but really didn't like have the the means to get out much. Yeah. Um, and during my second like tour there, I guess I was working in the office and I was like, man, I really, really want to go to a show, but I had no money. Yeah. And this lady, Kim, that I worked with was like, dude, I was snowboarding yesterday and I, I ran to Dogwood on the slopes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, they're like, they came out to play a show at a church tomorrow. Like, and like, it's free. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to go. Oh, awesome. So the only show I saw this, like this chunk of time, I actually saw two shows but uh got to see dogwood and they were playing a church that had flown them out from san diego to play they put them up on a ski resort 
so all expenses paid. Wow. And at the end of the Dogwood set, they took all their merch on the table and threw it into the audience. <laughs> Which tells me they got paid enough that they crazy. probably almost felt bad uh, <laughs> and gave away all their merch. Wow. Uh, so it was, I mean, there was a ton of kids there. It was, they're great. I saw them a few times, but that was... Yeah. Uh, Cool, yeah, because like I don't, I I haven't like seen anywhere where they've toured, you know, far east, and I you know they're a band I'd love to see. It never got a chance yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, they might have. I don't yeah. know. I uh, might have been before my time. Yeah, they're great though. <laughs> yeah, when you the were other band I saw in that time since we're talking about them is yeah. Squad Five O actually came through and played a show. Cool. Blamed, and it was really great. Oh, rad! But Did it was you... post nine eleven because they wouldn't play their song "Bombs Over Broadway." Yeah. <laughs> So those were the two shows that I saw in that like phase in Denver. I don't know if I saw any other shows. Yeah. So no no interactions with with the Five Iron crew. I um, went to their church, but I had a really strong case of social anxiety, so I don't actually know if I talked to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. We're, we're pretty. I didn't realize how early that now, was. Now, with some of them, we played some shows with them and stuff. But I. Uh, yeah, I don't really know if I talked to them back then. Yeah, I know was I that... sat next to them a few times and felt pretty starstruck. <laughs> was that uh, was that Scum of the Earth Church? Yeah, it was cool. like early on in Scum of the Earth, yeah. and they were. I think the first time I went there, they were meeting in a in a house, and by the second time I'd gone, they graduated to a coffee shop. Yeah, cool. I, I had Leonor on the, on the pod about a month ago, and uh, I you know I was I was definitely a little starstruck just you know while <laughs> you know talking over the internet because I mean. They were a huge deal to me as a as a teenager. Yeah. yeah. No, they were a huge deal for me as well. Um, so I was, I, I like she's really she's really a pleasant, awesome person. I yeah. Like her a lot. Uh, but Squaw- F- Five Iron was one of those bands that I kind of discovered them accidentally. We fit uh, Tyler from Insomniac Folklore. My friend Jory and I were like the three kind of musical amigos. We all listened mm-hmm. to the same. Weird tooth and nail stuff and, and other things. Um, like we kind of just spend our lunch hours listening to whatever CD somebody had discovered. Yeah. And uh, we'd also figured out how, how to win stuff off the local radio station. So we'd all take turns because you couldn't win for a certain amount of weeks. So like pretty much the day that our you know availability window opened, we'd we'd call in and win the contest. Yeah. And. I was punk obsessed, so when they asked me what I wanted, I said, I want to send me some punk, and they sent me uh, Miss Angie. Okay. <laughs> which is this, like, I don't know, if you've never heard Miss Angie, she would be kind of female pop rock, maybe? Yeah. Is the right word? And and then I won a few months later, I, I won again, and they sent me Miss Angie again. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, dang it, what is this? I, uh, I don't... <laughs> I don't want. I like Miss Angie, but I didn't want more Miss Angie. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted punk rock, and she was not punk. Yeah. Uh, and then I won for a third time, and I was just like, "Don't send me Miss Angie. <laughs> like, send me something else." And it was the bright red carpet contest. Uh, you had to just be able to like pick the the song "Bright Red Carpet" out of, out of your your ears by All Star United. Okay. And I knew the baseline, so I called and I won. And in, they they didn't send me Miss Angie this time. They sent me a cassette tape that uh, was was decidedly not punk. And I was like, "What is this?" And it was a Five Iron's first album. Oh, wow. I put it on. And I was like, "Well, this isn't punk." Well, 
maybe it is. I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah. So they, they kind of like, uh, they got it to me that way. So, yeah. Nice. Cool. So what, you know, what, what was the next band or, or next project after, after, uh, Miles? Uh, next project, I spent two years throwing concerts. Uh, it was called Rock for Reason through a bunch of punk and hardcore shows. Uh, mostly bands touring the West Coast. The bands that have, it was a strange time because a lot of those bands ended up getting signed. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are still kind of around or in mention would be Emery, The Fall of Troy, As They Lay Dying, like Showbread. It wasn't yeah. um, it wasn't a Christian project, but that was my background, so I was, got kind of the best of that world too. Yeah. So it's kind of whoever was touring through the Northwest at the time. I lived in a town called Roseburg, which was four hours south of Portland, so we got a lot of people on their day off, Yeah, and it could be really good. Uh, and so that was cool. for two years, and that was really cool. I, I like I like throwing concerts a lot, so it was a very fulfilling time. Um, yeah. And after that, I started a band called the Southern Oregon Gospel Trio, hmm. which our goal had been to use this name to play gospel shows, <laughs> and we never got around to it, but um, we played uh, 13 shows in three months, made a record, and broke up. Yeah. So that was the, the goal. <laughs> that band broke up before it started. Uh, I was knew I was moving, so I, I kind of had an expiration date on. Yeah, is that is that album uh, out online as well? I'm able to find a song or two. It's the yeah. same kind of same with Miles Mouthguard. It just kind of floats somewhere out there. Um, it was it was very much a project that I was like I want to sound like Beach Boys, Green Day, uh, this band the Blackjacks from Canada. Okay. And um, that was kind of it. And Social Distortion. Like, those those were my, like, four kind of, like, Mount Rushmore's for that band. So yeah. uh, if you look back at my, like, kind of record history, those are those are kind of were big bands for me. So. Yeah. Cool. When did you start Destroying Nate Allen? Or was there something else in between? Uh, uh, yeah, there was a couple of years where I played as Nate Allen. Okay. So 2000. So if we're running a timeline, Southern Oregon Gospel Trio was... Uh, 2004, 2004, five, and little like a little bit of 06. I played as Nate Allen. Okay. I was like songwriter, kind of in the wannabe Johnny Cash, wannabe Mike Ness and social distortion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, guy kind of seeking the Americana path, but really only knowing how to play punk rock chords. So <laughs> that was the place I was at um, yeah. and so long story short I jumped uh, just Nate Allen uh, was just kind of all fictional stories okay not really my adventures just kind of my my mind processing things yeah uh, and when I took it took some time off and after that time my songs were different mm-hmm. and kind of more indie folk I think you would is a safe way to say and so to mark the change, I'd, I added Destroy to the front of my name, so Destroy Nate Allen. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, a band addition, so people still knew who I was, but I had a band name now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so that was 2006, and my first record, Awake O Sleeper, came out then. Um, okay. And when, when, did, uh, when did you meet your wife, and when did she become a part of that project? We met, she was in San Francisco when I was there, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, we technically met in 2004. Um, she joined the band. Uh, she joined us, Nate Allen, and we got married in 2008. 
Yeah, so, cool. Our first show was our wedding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which cool. which meant like one show, one song. Um, <laughs> but that was that was it. And that was was that the first project that you really toured with? Yeah, and Nate Allen did like I did maybe three or four little West Coast tours with that. Yeah. Um, Destroy Nate Allen is the first one that I think really did. We did, or I did, fifteen shows in sixteen days to kick off the first record and then the next tour was um, six months around the country so. yeah so you know how was how were those early tours you know do you have any you know any notable stories or just had, you know what was what was your experience as your kind of your first time the first couple I mean, times I didn't know anybody my friends later told me they thought I was crazy uh, <laughs> specifically because I was a an unknown independent songwriter with you know this is the era where like i think labels had, had were still like the tastemakers yeah i still i still think they are but this was kind of their like it was still peak like this is how you how you get discovered is somebody just puts you on a label and they you know sell your record and that's that's the all they need to work yeah um i couldn't find anybody to help me so i was just on my own um so those first tours was was pretty wild. I spent uh, tons of nights in the van. I never got a hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I very rarely got paid anything but some merch sales. Mm-hmm. I did 140 dates in six months. Um, wow. Got stopped by the cops 15 times. <laughs> uh, made it, play, got to like 44 states or something. Dang. And this was really hustling like, I started the tour with pneumonia, uh, and ended. And when I got healthy, I, I realized I had run out of shows. Um, I, my plan was to be on the road for six months, and I just, you know, with being sick, I just hadn't done anything other than show up and play. And I booked all those shows. Yeah. And I was in Florida, and I was like, okay, what do I do? And I, I realized I was faced with two choices. Um, one was either figure out a way to get from Florida to Oregon mm-hmm. and play some shows or I could call my parents and ask them say I'm a failure please <laughs> have mercy on me and give me a, let me buy a plane a bus ticket or something yeah and I chose the the work my way home yeah path which meant uh, I did you know the last four months booking like a day in advance uh, it was, it was wild because this is like peak MySpace time too. This is right before yeah. MySpace crashed and right before, right after the music industry started pay, stopped paying really well. Yeah. Because um, like people that were touring a couple years before me tell stories of big guarantees and like success, like hotels and stuff. I never had that experience. It was kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but it was peak MySpace. So it meant that you could search a sh- for shows by a zip code. And so I could say like, okay, Chicago, you know, has... You know, this is the zip code of Chicago. I can show, search within a 50-mile radius of Chicago, and I can email every single promoter that's having a show. Yeah. And so I do that. I use the hour of free internet at the local library to send an email to where I thought I wanted to go in two days. Yeah. And so uh, it would be, say, say Chicago as an example. I'd send a bunch of emails there, and then I'd drive to wherever I had a show that day. Yeah. And then the next day I'd wake up, and I'd look at my email, and say, like, oh, okay, cool, I got this offer in Chicago. I'll totally take this offer. And, and then I do it again for, say, Grand Rapids, Michigan or whatever. And yeah. I did that, like, 
all the way around the country until I, I just kind of hopping on. I told people I could play in that awkward 20 minutes from when the doors open to when the first band starts. Yeah. Or between bands or anywhere else you'll have me and I can guarantee a sing-along. You don't have to pay me and I'll make the show better. Yeah. A lot of people were willing to like let the acoustic guy, you know, play for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I have a lot of friends that kind of play in, in kind of folk punk world and yeah. you know they're you know it's always and i've i've booked shows here in rochester for for years so yeah you know a lot of times they've like hit me up last minute when i've already had other shows and been like hey like can we like play and i'm like i'm always like yeah of course like you know it's, well yeah. i don't always you know i didn't always say yes but you know specifically when it was friends and when i knew it was you know, I didn't have to yeah. factor in setup and teardown time. Totally. It was, it was really I mean, easy was, to let I was play. that guy, like, um, kind of, I mean, I, I fell in with the greater folk punk world at the time. Like, yeah. it's kind of, uh, so Planet X Records, kind of No Idea Records, that, that world. Yeah. Uh, Anti-folk, riot, folk, folk punk, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're at in the country. Yeah. Um, was was kind of the scene that I fell in, so lots of you know shows with bands that are really cool now, yeah, uh, or broke up right before they were really cool. Uh, yeah, was kind of that that days. We actually came through. I played Rochester a few times on that tour. Yeah. Um, do you know Do you know about Destroy Now and playing Rochester? Were you I, at any of those shows? I wasn't at any of those shows. I don't think. I know I've seen video of you playing at the Bug Jar. Okay. And uh, you know some looked like a pretty. You know, pretty nice crowd of uh, people singing along to Jesus Keep Us Safe from the Cops. Well, yeah, well, that's that's a crazy story. So, I don't know, like, are there house shows in Rochester these days? Like, uh, before COVID? There there have been some, yeah. Um, um, it's, it's. I'll keep, I'll, I won't tell a story, but I want to keep the details kind of vague because I don't want to actually cause any trouble. Yeah. So, um, so 2008 or nine. Um, we ended up in Rochester and I played like I was busking and played an open mic like wherever I could find yeah um, I have some friends in Ithaca and so it's, it's a coming to your part of the country is something I've done yeah a couple of times. Uh, and Tim Avery was there yeah and Tim I think it was his open mic or something he's like hey man like so we uh, there hasn't been a show around here in a while um, but, but I think I can figure it out. And so they ended up having me play a house show. and It was probably at the Shark Tank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had us play Jesus Keep Us Safe from the Cops. Yeah. And uh, and the cops didn't show. And the cops had been showing up a bunch uh, yeah. at a lot of shows. And then they had... Uh, then shows started happening a bunch up there. And for a long time, people were always singing that song. Yeah at the shows and the cops weren't showing up and so the next year when we came back they're like dude like we don't know we're not like i mean some of those guys are like we're not religious but like man there's something to that song <laughs> and so i found a comic later it was like christmas thanksgiving at the shark tank and it was them all singing jesus keep us safe from the cops wearing <laughs> our, our uh sweater yeah yeah that's awesome uh, yeah that it's it it really cool yeah the shark tank was uh you know they pretty much everybody moved out they, there were people there off and on that were trying to you know keep you know keep the uh the name going on and 
I think it was actually yesterday. I saw a year ago there was a show there, but then since then everybody's everybody's moved out. And uh, I I moved to Rochester in 2010 and lived at a house okay, called yeah. I lived at a house called the Meat Grinder. Okay. And uh, we had a, a fair amount of shows there, probably too many, which is why it ended up you know, not staying a thing for very long. Yeah. But uh, we had you know uh, Eric. From Mischief Brew played at my in yeah, my yeah. basement and about a hundred people showed up. It was nuts. Um, yeah, we but, got to play with him uh, in Portland not long before he, he left. So. Yeah, he was a special guy. Um, he and yeah. Denise are you know were uh, some of my favorite people I've met through the whole you know DIY thing. Yeah, and there's uh, we we always wanted to play with him. We were we were within like. Kind of a, a so being in the folk punk world, we want to play with all the other folk punk bands that you've heard of. Yeah. And so we were always like playing Philly the day or the before or after him. Yeah. And so we finally got to play a show, maybe cool. a year before he died. Cool. So. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah, they came. You know, they they came back. You know, time after that, and my, you know, weird hardcore band got to play with them because they were just like, oh, do you guys want to? You know, it would be cool if you guys would play with us. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. That was that was pretty rad, um, but yeah, Tim Avery is somebody who comes up all of the time on this podcast, and yeah. like he is, you know, somebody I consider a very close friend, and you know, because we, you know, we were working together on shows at Vineyard, um, yeah. and you know, he booked all of my bands at Bug Jar, and we had, you know, led worship together, and like it just, um, <laughs> like like he just. It hasn't happened yet, and now the quarantine's going on. So, uh, yeah, once yeah. once that's all over, I'm gonna have to you know have him over to you know just that, that's what I want to do in person. So you know have to <laughs> sit down, have a couple beers, and uh, yeah, and talk. But yeah, he's no, he's. I mean, he was totally the reason we were there. We he brought us up. I mean, the rest of our times we came through. Yeah, one more time. Yeah, he's he's not. Too, but not as involved in the scene anymore but he's still you know he's such a figurehead here that he'll always kind of be at least somewhat involved so yeah uh yep we had had really good times with him yeah uh so how what's what's it been like touring with your with your wife um it's it's fun yeah he's a really a really good travel mate yeah, and and a really easy person to get along with, like. So I think there's definitely like some of the, you know, husband and wife tensions. Yeah. Um, that that probably get brought up more. Mm-hmm. Uh, than other things, but I think like, I think she's probably the easiest bandmate I can ever have. Nice. I think she's pretty easy to get along with, and she's incredibly good at you know meeting people and. She's really good at selling merch and fun to play shows with. And yeah. She's also really tough. <laughs> so, I, uh, and I don't say this lightly, like, she's she's probably, like, I, I pity the person that would try to start trouble with her, because, like, <laughs> he actually is, like, you know, there was, there was a, in San Francisco, she has a fun story where there was an, all of a sudden, she worked at a cafe, and all of a sudden there was, like, the, everybody ran out of the cafe, like, towards her in the laundromat, and she sees trouble, and she ran into the, ran into the trouble yeah and finds a 
a bunch of skinheads or a bunch of racist Nazi skin dudes were beating up a black guy. And, uh, and so she just jumps in the middle of a pile <laughs> and, uh, finds the knife and flings it uh, wow. out, out of the pile, uh, and like grabs some guy's thumb and twists it until he gets off and runs <laughs> away. And, you know, th- th- there was a, a guy that swept their floors named Anthony on the, on the bottom of the pile and, uh, <laughs> It had turned into a big mess, and uh, <laughs> called the cops, and everybody ran away. And and later they they found the the knife she'd thrown across the cafe sticking in the butter. <laughs> so uh, she's just kind of a, I mean, not she does not go looking for trouble. Yeah. But she also is just a, just a very straightforward person. I'm more of like passive East Coast or West Coast guy. She's more like straightforward East Coast girl. <laughs> and. Uh, and she's fun to travel with. Lots of good. It was really good to like. I think career-wise, I mean, I would have been a very different musician if we had not, if I hadn't kind of given her half the band. Yeah. Uh, I would have probably still been a quiet indie folk singer that uh, kind of chased that path. <laughs> but the the trade-off is we have to have all these memories together and all this time together. Yeah. Which is uh, you know something I wouldn't trade. Yeah. Awesome. And you guys, you guys had a baby. Is that? We have two. Oh wow! Is that is that kind of what what's you know at that point was that the reason that you guys decided to kind of not continue at least for now? You know I don't know what you know what the future holds, but is that yeah, yeah. why destroying it, Allen has kind of just been is that on pause or is that kind of the end of that? No, that it's iteration? on pause. Um, yeah. we're still a band. Uh, we played our last sh- our last good show in Kansas City was destroying it, Allen. Yeah, um, we haven't put out music for a long time, but that's that's because it's just a lot of work. Um, yeah. So, destroying it, Alan, like, I mean, it was me, and then it became us. Yeah. And so, like, we went from this, like, my early marketing branding sound would have been, like, you know, you could be, like, against me, Johnny Cash, Bright Eyes, like, you know, a myriad of, like, broken, quiet, <laughs> or not quiet, like, dude singers. Yeah. Um, you know, singing about our feelings, connecting with people, doing that thing. When Tessa joined the Straight It Out, we instantly got more theatrical mm. and more intense. So, mm. like, you know, we're, we're a really fun band. We're, like, a weird band. And, uh, yeah. and we just kind of got weirder and weirder and sillier and sillier. <laughs> but also there's, like, this, this kind of running theme where I'm the driver and she was kind of the passenger mm-hmm. uh, as far as pace goes. And at 2012, we just... The last, in the five years we toured, we just ground ourselves just kind of to a pulp yeah. uh, emotionally and relationally like I was just like okay we got to put out a record we got to put out a record tour and this is all like in addition to working and doing all the like you know normal life stuff not really actually like enjoying any downtime or like I didn't see <laughs> summer in Portland for like five years yeah because we we're on tour all the time like I was in school the whole time she was in taxes so it was like these like really intense periods and we just needed a break and so yeah. uh 2013 she's like you know you need to start a solo project like just you need to like because i mean i write i mean i probably write 50 songs to her one at this point mm, okay and so it's like there needed to be an outlet for me to like do my thing yeah and and we write together and i write silly songs and she does too and then like when i'm serious alone i write like really like you know gut-wrenching stuff so yeah. like she was like, you need to go do this for your own process, and I just need a break. And then we, so I, I kind of regained 
being a solo artist, uh, to let that part of me exist. And we decided that Destroying Allen would be our fun band. Yeah. Okay. So we, we like played fun shows when they get offered to us. And that was kind of like the space it was. Now I think we've been dormant long enough that we're like, okay, let's go do some fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but we've, you know, tried different things. We've been a full band sometimes in Kansas City. We've, you know, started playing kids shows. We've done a lot of stuff. Oh, um, cool. Kind of at a different pace. Yeah. With the kids, we have, we have a band called the Noisy Do-Gooders. Okay. That we've just started. <laughs> and that, that's a kids band for kids. Nice. And so, like, in that project, our kids can literally be in the band without having any, like, reservation about that. Yeah. Um, and, and Destroy Now, I think at this point, uh, is our, like, fun band together when we get asked to play a show. Yeah. So we did, uh, we played our wedding anniversary February 23rd, so that was, like, 12 years. And we, we just, we sang literally only love songs except for one song. Mm. So it was just like, well, we've got enough love songs, let's just play. Like, we don't really care if this feels self-indulgent, we're doing this for us and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was cool to, like, bust out, like, a bunch of songs like that. Yeah. How, how old are your kids? Uh, I got a three and a half year old and a four month old. Okay. Oh, wow. That's a, a real little one. Yeah. So <laughs> cool. Keeps, three and... us, uh, keeps us very busy. Yeah. Three and a half is, is a lot of fun. That's about, uh, what, what month was, 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 were they born? I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Three and a half so year sorry. old. LB was born in October and then Electra would have been in December. Okay. Yeah. My, my little guy was born in August, so pretty, pretty close in age there. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. So, I mean, we just, you know, have, uh, I mean, they, they entertain us all yeah. the time. Yeah. Do you think that someday you'll tour, uh, you know, with, you know, as a whole family or is that? Probably. I mean, we, we, uh, we have plans to, I mean, yeah. who knows who gets to yeah. tour when. Yeah. But we, we'd already had, you know, booked some summer events and we were going to be doing noisy do-gooder shows, which yes. is pretty much like destroyed in Allen except for we actually write the songs for the kids yeah cool did you know you know you know Kevin Shalareth and and that yeah yeah I've yeah. known Kevin for years yeah that's a I, I'm you know I've I've booked them you know at Vineyard and actually they played a show here at my apartment one time and I I they're those are some very well behaved kids yeah <laughs> um no, I, I, We've known Kevin and Jessica since, I mean, well, well before. Well, I think before they were, before Jessica was in the picture. So, yeah. Uh, Kevin happened to be playing shows in Oregon, uh, hmm. 2007 or 8, maybe. Yeah. He had a band called Engaged, and okay. I, we did some shows together back then. Yeah, cool. It, it's, it's interesting that, the, I feel like the kind of the world of DIY touring is, is really, a, it's a pretty small world. Yeah, I mean... I think if you are in that world or, I mean, I think any, the truth is any music seems pretty small. I mean, yeah. the, the pockets aren't that big. So like, I remember like my first, one of my first DIY stuff tours, I was talking to like a promoter in Arkansas and he'd never heard of against me. Um, wow. And it was like, that's wild to I me mean, a couple states <laughs> over and you haven't heard of like a band that's almost on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, because it's like just the, the worlds are like so small at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, and then especially, you know, when you figure in kind of people that play kind of in the 
the Christian adjacent uh, DIY yeah. scene. It's even smaller. I mean, that's that's small too. Like the, I mean, the Christian punk scene. There, I mean, nobody wants to use that word, but yeah. I don't know the other word that accurately describes like the '90s tooth and nail world. Yeah, um, that's how it was marketed to us. Uh, it's just a small world. So, like, I mean, bands. You know, like you're like, how do you become friends? Like, how do you know this person? Oh, you know, like they were in a band with so such and such such and such a friend. We had a meal one time. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're friends now. <laughs> and uh, it's just a small world. So like, I think it's uh, the same way. Like, DIY punk rock is not that different. Um, yeah. The difference between DIY DIY punk rock and Christian rock, scene wise, is that the Christian stuff had more of a marketing engine behind it. Yeah. So like some bands you you've heard of that you know we've i've learned now that we've i've toured more than all my heroes so it's kind of a good <laughs> trip yeah now you know kind of what's i know i know you kind of on that good saint nathaniel record you kind of you know, dive in and talk about you know kind of a, a look at your your faith and doubt what's yeah. what's your relationship with kind of the label of of christian punk and how that all ties together with the music. I mean, I know it's different now than what it was even, yeah, yeah. say, 10 years ago, but... I mean, I think it's an incomplete definition. Yeah. I think that Christian is a is an accurate adjective for for a person who holds a belief system mm-hmm. uh, of, of Christianity. I think it's a inaccurate description of something. Mm-hmm. So I think Christian punk... Uh, while it kind of like gives an idea of what you're talking about, it's really not a very like. It's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's been a lot of people that talk about this over the years. So yeah, yeah. Not, you know, I just, I, you know, I was just wondering, you know, about your own. Do you play in a lot of kind of those circles, or are you mostly just kind of DIY and whatever not, shows you get, you get you know, offered? I'm not anymore. Um, I. So I'm, the Christian thing is is strange to me. Um, it's strange and fun. Let me, let me I'll, I'll get to the kind of like where I'm coming from. Uh, so for me, I've spent the last season recovering from what I would call spiritual abuse. Mm. So uh, wounds that were kind of the cumulative effect of a lot of bad applied religious beliefs. So mm. like tons of small interactions that were negative and tons of like and some big conflicts that kind of altered my life Uh, Mm -hmm. and all of it kind of cumulatively made me not want to identify as a christian um unfortunately for me in my attempts to unidentify i never stopped believing so like Mm -hmm. i was kind of like oh i really like it would be much cleaner if i just was like oh i don't really believe that anymore but i do so um my goal uh, is to try to make peace with my past. So one of those things that I've done is instead of saying like, oh, I'm just not a Christian anymore, let's not talk about that. It's like instead I'll go to therapy or yeah. try to figure out what, what is the piece of my past that's broken that needs to be fixed, uh, yeah. which happened to be a whole lot of my relationship uh, specifically with things like Christian music, but also like bad faith applications through, you know, mean Christians and, and messy Christian <laughs> school and stuff like that that really altered who I was. Um, yeah. So I'd say for the first, uh, I don't know, many, many years of my music world, I really didn't 
I was very aggressive about not wanting to be a Christian anything, specifically a Christian musician. I was like, no, 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 we're like, we're not that band. We're that band that goes and plays those punk shows yeah. and has no, like, we're not part of the Christian industry. Uh, and it, it's easy to say that because I'm sure the Christian industry didn't really want us. Um, I mean, they don't know what to do with a, a weirdo folk punk performance art. Yeah. Like, freak out. Band. <laughs> I mean, we'd play churches every once in a while during our peak touring, but it would always be weird. Um, yeah. And not, not weird because they were like, oh, we don't like how you guys you know exist. They would be like, not know what to do with us because their youth kids are scared of us. <laughs> and we're going to challenge their theological presumptions. And then, you know, they're used to like a worship band and we're like a performance art band that's going to play and jump on their pews yeah. and, uh, and mess with stuff. So it's kind of just like, <laughs> we're, we're this weird punk band. Um, so it, it made more sense for us to not be in those environments. Yeah. Uh, even though like our friends would book us there sometimes and our, our kind of theory with shows is I'll go where invited. So if somebody's yeah. like, hey, come play my house, I'll play your house. Uh, and and Destroy Down was specifically not like a Christian band. I was just, I try to write songs for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. That that being said, after I've worked through, you know, years in therapy and years of growth kind of around kind of the faith, like rotating around faith, whereas like I don't want anything to do with faith publicly to where now Good St. Nathaniel, specifically a religious, brings the religious connotations into the yeah. conversation from when you hear the band name. So it's, it's complicated. And so, like, for me, I, I, a couple of, I mean, several years ago, I, I decided the thing that I needed to do next creatively was to write a record about what I knew best, which was faith. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was going to, like, pick one topic that I could, like, you know, go around and around and uh, have studied from every angle, I don't like the debate, but I, I mean, that's, like, the thing that I know the best. Yeah. Would have been growing up in, in Christian school, going and being, like, on church staffs and all that sort of stuff like have definite theological opinions yeah uh, and i wanted to explore my relationship with that so the record hide no truth is really me kind of like lancing the wound which was like the toxic faith i was raised with mm. and trying to figure out like who am i now like there's open questions that i don't know the answer to on that record <laughs> there's like super vulnerable moments where i'm ex- exploring you know really complicated past traumas that like you know will take up a whole therapy session in there and it's on that record they're reverse that yeah that. uh so like it's really me trying to figure out who who i am now and and also like where i where i sit with all that that being said i've done a long spent some years writing that record some years in recovery and i think i'm a lot my my relationship with faith is a lot less clouded than it used to be, mm. to where now it's just this is something I believe in who I where I am at, yeah. at this point in my life. Uh, so as before, I think there was a whole lot of agenda, uh, not necessarily in me because I was terrified of people uh, mm. rejecting me because of the, the complicated nature of faith. But um, yeah. there was just a lot of like assumed agenda with within if you are a Christian and you're playing music, then you have to be trying to save people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just kind of implied. And I think that's a, it's a, it's bad. It's a bad starting point for people to like interact with music. So like, I think one of my huge issues with things being called Christian is that you just, they come with all this baggage. Yes. And so in some ways, like good Satan Nathaniel is kind of so on the nose that it, it's, I mean, it's probably terrifying and disarming to people. Um, <laughs> Cause it kind of goes both ways. There's a yeah. Little bit of, like, 
uh, I mean, my own personal experience is, uh, you know, I had only listened to it, you know, I, I had only listened to it once or twice yeah. all the way through, but it, uh, you know, it almost, it definitely made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean that as a compliment. I mean, it, yeah. it, because I mean, I mean, for me personally, I, you know, I, you know, there's probably a lot of similarities to our, our you know, I, I see a lot of similarities to our stories, you know, growing up yeah. in, in church and in Christian school and, you know, also being into punk rock. Um, so, you know, I definitely, you know, resonated with it. it in some ways, it, it felt like your answer to David Bazan, um, like, yeah. in, in a similar, like, stylistically. Um, and it, 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 it felt like where he's kind of, you know, parted ways, you, you know, you've kind of asked the same questions and are still... Um, you know, still, you know, identify with it and still do yeah. believe, um, and not, you know, and it, 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 in a way that it, it definitely felt very genuine. Um, yeah. so and all that to say, I really liked the record, um, you. you know, and it, it kind of resonated, resonated in a way, like I, I enjoyed, uh, destroying Nate Allen, but it was just a yeah. very different experience listening. Oh, to they're totally different. They're not even yeah. like, I mean, the only thing they have in common is, is me as a songwriter. Like, yeah. That's why we chose to have them be different band projects. It's just because they're so they're so different. Um, yeah, it's it's weird marketing and talking about something that is intent like that is uncomfortable. Yeah, like I mean, it's, it's a very strange thing. It's like we were we were kind of joke we joke kind of about streaming numbers because the record doesn't have that many streams. <laughs> And we're like, well, you, you put out something that's uncomfortable. What do you expect? You yeah. listen to it once or twice, and you're like, oh, I need to like go away and think for a while. And maybe, <laughs> like, I've got friends that like they'll put it on, and then their wife will be like, no, take that off. Like, we're not listening to that today. We don't have the like emotional space to go and, yeah. and ponder the record. Yeah, and uh, that's that's exactly how you know how I felt. And but it's yeah. one that I know I'll come back to. Um, totally. So it's not one that it's gonna maybe have the high streaming numbers. But yeah, it's gonna yeah. be which you know sucks for you as an artist that's trying to make money off of your yeah, off yeah, of your yeah. art. But at the same time, it's one that like, um, it's one that I, I you know I don't know if you did a vinyl release, but it's one I I would like to have, you know, a vinyl copy of to go back to. Yeah, no, we we actually didn't because we wanted to, ironically, see we get enough streaming numbers. So <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, but but uh, so it's but. Within that framework, so, I mean, so one of the things that I like to do at, with the Good St. Nathaniel Project is actually uh, play churches, because I think it's a totally weird thing to do now. Yeah. Because uh, I'm singing about trauma and complication and, and hope. Uh, and so it's a totally different experience than when I was destroying it Allen trying to play church, where they're like, they still don't know what to do with me, but they don't know what to do with me for a totally different set of reasons. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I've actually attempted to try to figure out how to get into the like network of people who play churches, and I haven't figured out how to get like in the door yet, which is ironic after years of like shutting the door intentionally. Yeah, um, it's interesting though because I I feel like you know at least I mean I only know I know about like my experience booking shows at my church yeah. where it was not um, we weren't booking Christian shows. I would book oh, my right. friends. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and sometimes they were, they were Christians and kind of, you know, I know about other churches that kind of do it that way just because a lot of the same bands would play. I mean, we, you know, totally. I, I often would, you know, on the same tour would talk to a, a band that had played, you know, Vineyard here in Rochester that had also played at, at Take Hold Church when that was a thing. Totally. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't really know kind of about the other world. Well, of... there, there's a whole other world of it. And yeah. I, uh, maybe I'm... Uh, there's a world of, like, indie kind of singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of dart between clubs and kind of church-affiliated places. Yeah. Um, like, Josh Garrels is probably one of the, like, bigger ones. Okay, yeah. In that, that world. There's a, there's a bunch of others as well. Um, John Mark McMillan's a little, a little bit of the same way. And then there's, like, you know, everybody that comes in their wake, which is, you know, hundreds of other people. Yeah. Um, that, so I think in some ways, because Good St. Nathaniel's an indie folk project uh, on one level, that I think it would be fun to play some of those shows. But, yeah. But the other way, it's like, this is a complicated stuff, so, I mean, who knows who wants to, to go with it. I, I like to, specifically if you're, like, terrified of my band, um, you should, and you're listening to this, you should know that I like to tell lots of jokes and be kind of silly live. Um, <laughs> so even though I'm uh, singing about pretty serious things, there's there's generally still quite a bit of smile. Uh, yeah. And I, I, Good St. Nathaniel is quiet intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've learned to be a much more peaceful person, and and learned to heal from a lot of trauma, so I can play things slower. Yeah. But I'm still like a rock and roller, so that still sits <laughs> like just below the surface. So even if you look at our our current uh, Spotify, I released a single last week. It was called Old Guitar, and that's just like a, a rock and roll song. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's like very much like oh this is like this is that fun rock and roll thing. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a song I'm proud of, but it's it's not um, it's not a deep well of vulnerability. It's more like a let's have some fun. Yeah. It, which is ultimately, I think, Good Saint Nathaniel is my my solo platform. So yeah, it'll probably take various forms over the years. Uh, yeah, was... it's it's me being the primary writer. Yeah, because I was going to ask if this was going to be you know like. Good Saint Nathaniel was going to be like yeah. that record, and then you know that was going to be it. But it, no, okay, yeah. I've been told, and I think that's probably good advice, uh, to quit rebranding myself. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I mean, which is ironic because I have like a bunch of bands, and some of those bands are going to continue. But yeah. as a solo artist, Good Saint Nathaniel will be the thing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Destroyed Allen is the thing with Tessa when we want to have fun. Yeah. Um, and. And then other projects will kind of, if they exist, they exist, like, in addition to, they're not, like, taking those places. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. As far as, like, um, you know, obviously right now there's, like, just a huge question mark about what the future holds as far as, as touring, but do you have any other kind of upcoming projects that you want to talk about, you want to plug, um, or anything like that? Well, I'm writing a book right now. Um, Oh, cool. That's been what i was doing before we jumped on this call um and so that's that's kind of my next main thing it's called launching landing and moving forward it's about navigating difficult seasons Mm. um i wrote a version of it last year and it went over pretty well and then uh brought an editor into the process so i'm reworking the book for for its final release now yeah um so i think i'll be doing we got a bunch of creative stuff in in the works uh the next thing i'm working on is the book Mm-hmm. And from the book, uh, we'll see. I kind of, I've been getting more into writing the last couple of years, so I, I'll probably be doing that more. Yeah. Um, and also have, I mean, I always am writing songs, so we'll be working on a kids' record and working on probably a bunch of solo material as well cool. uh, in the coming months. So I mean, 
one thing that with me is I, I have a, what apparently is a, a, a never ending well of energy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I run out of it, but I mean, I have a lot of like, a lot of motivation. So yeah, if we're, you know, off the road for some years, last time I was off the road for a long time, I made a lot of records. Yeah. Um, so in 2005, we, we talked about that, like kind of the gap year in my music where I went from Nate Allen to destroying Nate Allen. And that was in a challenge from a pastor who said, what would happen if he didn't tour? Sorry about that. Yeah. I, I live on, like, well, if you've been to the Bug Jar, the street that yeah. kind of runs parallel to the Bug Jar, um, I live, like, all, like, on that street in the corner of another street, nice. and so it's a busy intersection, and so it's, you know, when I set up in my living room, sometimes things like that happen. <laughs> um <laughs> So, I mean, 2005 for me was a, uh, a year where I was challenged to not travel, mm-hmm. specifically to work on some of my inner traumas. And, and I did that um, and, you know, ultimately changed my life. But what ended up happening was I wrote a lot of music. Yeah. So that year there's, I mean, if you can figure out how to search the right places, um, you'll find a bunch of records I put out that year. Yeah. Uh, kind of like small runs of you know 20 copies here 50 copies there yeah um, but it was really like i think categorically one of my most productive seasons so i think with if we're off the road for a long time i mean what you probably would expect from me is you find a bunch of records that would pop up or songs yeah and, um, i've already done i think three public videos <laughs> and and two kind of low-key ones as well so yeah like i haven't been streaming because of the internet stuff but uh I mean, i've released five videos so yeah it's, uh, nice. like that. cool well you know thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to you know talk about music and all of the things that come with that and you know i hope you uh you know look forward to hearing you know the the next uh the next release whatever that may be uh yeah you know, now that now that I have you know, well, I've had kids in my life for a little while, but now they're getting a little bit older. <laughs> um, you know, I'll definitely when that uh, kids album comes out, I'll definitely put that on. Oh yeah, um. <laughs> no, it's a, it's gonna be. I mean, that's the thing we're looking because so the two projects couldn't be more. They're so different. Like the songs I write with Tessa or the Noisy Debaters now are fun. They're like the stuff I write in my kitchen. You know, we were dancing. You know, singing and dancing around our kitchen table the other night in the middle yeah. of the night. Like, it's like fun, goofy, silly stuff. And then when I'm serious, it's it's such a somber, <laughs> different type of work. So, yeah. like, it's really fun to have these two sides where it's like, oh, oh we're going to be really silly for, like, this, this couple months. <laughs> and then I'll be really serious. It feels yeah. like a lot of people don't have two completely different types of creativity um, that they're, they're working with. So, like... I mean, I've definitely had plenty of, like, identity crisis along the way. Like, who am I? What am I doing? All this stuff. Um, but, like, I think go- growing up, there was a part of me that loved the really somber, quiet songs. Yeah. And there was also a part of me that loved the really silly, weird bands. Yeah. And somehow now that I'm in, you know, this middle part of my life, I have both. So yeah. I get to be super silly and weird and play with, like, some of those crazy bands that do those weird things that... Who knows when somebody will book a band like Destroy Allen Allen again, which <laughs> actively played with spatial boundaries and touched everybody in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, versus Good St. Nathaniel, which is just like this uh, 
can get real serious when it needs to and is, is a very much a solo work. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, thanks I, for having me. Bombs by Good Saint Nathaniel. Thanks again to Nate for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope some of you listening did as well. Uh, make sure you check out uh, all of Nate's bands. You can find links in the show notes. And once again, I say that I've been saying this a lot lately, but uh, if you listen to this podcast, it really means a lot because this is really a labor of love. I love giving people a, you know. Even if it's just a tiny little platform for them to share their stories and, um, you know, hopefully since this will be on multiple platforms, it will uh, live on and someone will find it. Unlike, you know, all the tracks that we've all uploaded to MySpace back in the day or Pure Volume that are now gone forever. But anyway, (laughs) thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. And I will be back uh, with another episode soon.